A couple of years ago, I was in the race of my life. I, had, I have a friend back in Baytown where I moved from, and his name is Don. And we were racing over the course of a month to see who could run uh, the most amount of miles over the course of one month. Actually, I got to back up. His name isn't Don. His name is Don Allen, and his full name is Don Allen Harvey Bodie Jr. And he is from out over in, uh, where's he from? Dayton. Uh, he's from Dayton, and if you're familiar with that, you can't say Dayton, and you can't say Don Allen uh, without getting a little bit of that, you know, you know what I'm talking about, that Southern draw, Don Allen Harvey Bodie Jr. That is his name. So uh, Don Allen Harvey Bodie Jr., if you see this, uh, how are you? It's good to see you. But anyways, Don Allen and I decided over the course of a month we were going to have a race. Now, the race wasn't to see who could run the fastest our race was to determine who could run the most amount of miles over the course of a month. I think he was trying to get in shape for some, uh, some, race that he was, some other race that he was going to do. For me, I just needed to lose some weight. So I was like, hey, I'll sign up for that. And we decided that we were going to have this contest. And over the course of the month, whoever we would get together for, for dinner after the month was over, and the loser had to buy dinner for both of us. So I was ready to earn my $7 Whataburger, uh, my $7 Whataburger meal. So we, we started our race and I'll tell you what, I started strong. I ran on that first day a really, really strong two miles. And I ran, I ran that race, my two miles. And then I noticed that Don didn't run that day. So I decided that the next day, whenever it was time to run again, uh, instead of running, I had a good lead, so I would sit on the couch and eat chips instead. Uh, so th then the next day, Don, Don Allen, uh, he took the lead. He ran a couple of miles. He ran like three miles, and this guy's like, uh, he's, he's uh, light bone, so he can just, he can go forever. So he ran, he ran a few miles, and he took the lead, so then I had to, I had to kick it into gear. Uh, so I ran to take the lead, and over the course of the month, that's the way that it worked. I would, I would get a lead, and as long as I had the lead, I would relax and I would, I would eat my chips and all that kind of stuff. And then whatever Don Allen would take the lead, then I would have to kick it back into gear. Well, then we finally get to the last day of our race. We were using an app, the, the Under Armour running app, and we set the deadline in the app for midnight. And this, the last day of our race was on a Wednesday. So, so at our church, we had a Wednesday evening service that started at, at 7, and I got home around 9 o'clock. And, and on that day, when we started the last day, uh, and I'm a pretty competitive person, when we started the last day, Don and Alan and I were, were tied. Uh, so we were, we had like, I think over the course of the month, we had run like uh, 20 something miles or something like that. And on the last day, we were tied. Well, before church started, I looked at my phone and I noticed that Don Allen had run a mile before church to get a little bit of a lead. So I knew that he was, he was ready. He was ready to, to race down to the finish. He was serious about winning and so was I. So I saw that he took the lead before church. I, I saw him at church. I was like, hey, Don, hey Don how are you doing? He's like, good. He's like, I'm going to win today. And I was like, okay, okay. And I had a foolproof plan. I really did. Uh, so we go, we go into church, we have the service, and uh, I led my teen service, which meant I was running around playing games, getting tired, and he got to sit, uh, and he got to sit in the service and just relax and all of that. And then after church, I got home around, uh, it was probably around nine o'clock at night, and I had a plan to win this race. So I, I got up, I got changed into my clothes, it was nine o'clock at night, and I went out and I ran, uh, I think I ran uh, four or five miles. I was ready to go. 
uh, and I knew that I was going to win. But my plan, that wasn't the only part of my plan. I knew that when, when Don saw on his phone that I had taken the lead, that he was going to go out, however late it was, he was going to go out and he was going to run so that he could take the lead back. So my plan was, I'm going to run I'm going to run away, I'm going to run, and I'm going to get just far enough ahead of him that he thinks that I'm done for the night. I'm going to come in, I'm going to take a break, and then I'm going to go back out uh, around 10.30 or 11, and I'm going to run some more, Uh, because I was serious about winning this race. So I go out, I run my four or five miles, I come in, I take a break. Well, Don had the exact same idea. He had also run at the same time. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to make him think that I don't, I'm done. So I took a 30-minute break, and then I went back out to run again. And then I noticed that Don also was running. So from after church that night all the way up until 11.57, I was, I was just booking it with my 30-minute break in between. And that night, we started the day off tied. That day... I ran 10 miles, and Don ran 11. Don ran 11. I put all of my heart and all of my soul into winning my race. But at the end of the day, no matter how hard I pushed and no matter how hard I tried, and I've never run 10 miles in my life, and I paid for it for days after that. But no matter how hard I ran, I ended up coming short. How many of you have been like that in maybe not a, a physical race, but in your life, you have some, some battles that you want to win. Uh, you have some, some, maybe some habits that you want to defeat. You have some things that you, need, that you know that you need to accomplish. Uh, but what, no matter how hard you try, like me, you end up coming short. If you feel that way this morning, I want to I wanna, I wanna encourage you a little bit and just tell you that, that you're not alone. The Bible says that for all have sinned. All have sinned and come short, fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We all fall short. And no matter how hard we push, if we're, just, if we're leaning on, if we're relying on our own effort, on our own goodness, on our own willpower, then at the end of the day, we will fall short. Whether that's uh, trying, to, uh, trying to do better with your family, trying to be a better parent, or whatever it may be, whenever we rely on ourselves, we end up falling short. Today in our text, I want you to take your Bible with me and turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 9. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And in in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, God is going to tell his people, the the people of Israel, uh, that they need to do something. He's going to tell them that they are going to be victorious. They have some battles that they're going to fight, They're going to have some battles that they need to win, but this fight is something that is too big for them. It's too big for them. And when we see how God gives them an action plan for victory, and when we take that into our own lives, then I believe that it's going to help us. It's going to enable us to live a life of victory ourselves. Deuteronomy chapter number nine. If you don't have the Bible with you, we have the verses up on the screen, but Deuteronomy nine and verse number one says, here... O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest and of whom thou hast heard say, who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God 
is he which goeth over before thee. As a consuming fire, he shall destroy them. And he shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord hath said unto thee. Let's go ahead and pray one more time and we will get into God's word and the message today. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us and your kindness to us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to to identify the areas in our lives where we're coming up short because we're just, we're relying either on, on public opinion or our own willpower or our own strength. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see, to see your action plan for victory that you give here in your word. Lord, I ask that you'd help us to take this to heart. And ultimately, Lord, I ask that if there's a person here today who doesn't know you as Savior, who's living their entire lives, who's, whose very existence and souls is being dependent on, on something other than the finished work of Jesus Christ, Lord, I ask that if there's a person here who doesn't know you as Savior, that they would receive you today. Lord, we dedicate this time to you, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to our hearts and transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off in our text by noticing verse number one, where we see that God commands, God gives a command to be victorious. God gives a command to be victorious. In verse number one, he says, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day. Uh, to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven. Now, this moment in Deuteronomy chapter number nine is really an an amazing moment. If you've read uh, the Bible, starting with the very first verse in Genesis one, working your way up to this moment, really so much of scripture has been pointing to this day. In Genesis chapter 12, 12 chapters into the Bible, God speaks to a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham is an old man and he's a man who doesn't have any children, but God gives Abraham a promise. He says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son and your son is going to develop into a family and that family is going to develop into a nation. And your nation, I'm going to give a a, a promise land. I'm going to give you a special place where your people are going to live forever and I have this land for you. That's the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter number 12. More than 400 years later, the Israelites have been waiting and praying for and expecting this day when they would get to go into the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 9, God says, hey, all of this time, all of this waiting, all of this expecting, here is your day, here is your moment where you are going to go into this promised land that I've given you. But I want you to notice how he describes this. He doesn't say, all right, guys, here's the, here's the grand opening. Let's cut the ribbon, walk on in, uh, just bring all the furniture in. The house is empty. It's time for you to move in. No, he says, hey, you, there's, there's some interesting things about this command to be victorious and this command to receive what God had for them. He says, you are to pass over Jordan this day. You're to pass over Jordan this day. And here's, here's the first thing that we see in our text about this command to be victorious is that this is a seemingly impossible task. This is a seemingly impossible task. Why is that? Well, here it says that you're to pass over Jordan. The Jordan is a river that runs on the east side of Israel. It goes from, uh, in the New Testament, from the Galilee area where Jesus was from. And it goes all the way down the, the eastern side of Israel down into the Dead Sea. 
Now, the Jordan River, at certain times of the year, it was, it was very manageable. Whenever it was a drier season, the, the, the river was, had, had gone down a little bit, but there were certain times of the year whenever the Jordan River would be, uh, it would be overflowing. There would be a, it would be a really powerful and rushing river. It would, be, it would be a river that nobody could really get across. And God tells them, you're going to go over the Jordan River. So, so whenever I read this, I'm thinking, hey, you know what? This river must have been, this river must have been a time whenever it was like uh, easier to cross. But if you were one of these Israelites, if you were one of these people receiving this, God, this command from God, you're looking over at the Jordan River and you're saying, God, what are you, <laughs> God, what are you thinking? Because in Joshua chapter 3 and verse 15, and you see it there in your notes, it says that when they cross over in Joshua chapter uh, number 3, it says that they, that they bear the ark where, where come unto, and they came to the Jordan and the feet, the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water. It says, for Jordan overflowed all the banks all the time of harvest. So it's telling us in Joshua 3, when they actually cross over, that this river isn't just something that, hey guys, pack your bags, we're going to get our feet a little wet. No, this is something that would have been extremely dangerous. This would have been something that, that, that maybe some people, if they, were, if they were really strong, if they were soldiers trying to get across, then maybe they could, they could find a way across. But, but coming across this Jordan River are, are women and children, and uh, they're all marching into they're all marching into Israel into this time whenever it would have been absolutely impossible for this nation to cross the Jordan River to get into Israel. But can I tell you something this morning that God specializes in doing the impossible? We serve a God who, who walks on water. We, have, we serve a God who, who speaks to the sea and, and calms storms. We have a God that, that heals the sick. We have a God who, who raised the dead. We have a God who rolled the stone away and walked out of the grave himself. That's the God that we serve. So whenever he tells them that you're to go over Jordan this day, he's telling them to do something that seems impossible to man. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So I want to tell you today that whenever it comes to uh, living a life of victory, whenever it comes to living a life uh, walking with Jesus, whenever it comes to living a life where, where you're battling sin and, and you know, I don't know what, what sin you're struggling with, but, but you certainly do. And, and that sin that just seems like, man, I've tried to beat it over and over and over again. I've tried to conquer it, but I just seem to fail over and over. Can I tell you something today? That whenever God gives this command to live a life of victory, he provides the enablement the empowerment to do what he's called us to do. This task seems impossible. But I also want you to notice in our text that this is an extremely intimidating task. This is, in, this is intimidating. Because not only is it impossible to them because of the Jordan River, but once they get past the Jordan River, he tells them that you're to go and to possess nations greater and mightier than yourself. Cities great and fenced up to heaven. So he tells them, hey, once you get across this Jordan River, you're, uh, that's going to be impossible, but I'm going to make a way. And, and in fact, he did make a way. He did do the miraculous. Whenever they stepped into the water, God stopped the water right where it was so they could go across on dry ground. But they, they get across, and then he says, you're going to go, and you're going to face some battles. And these battles are not battles where you're fighting someone who, hey, you know what? You got this. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something today. Whenever it comes to the battles that we face, you don't got this. You don't got this. He said, you're going to face 
enemies that are bigger than you, that are stronger than you, than are mightier than you. He tells them in verse number two that you're going to face these, these anakims. You're going to face these, uh, these gigantic people. You're going to face uh, these really strong people. Uh, I'm, I've been reading a book this week, and I'm reading this book about, about Navy SEALs. And these, these particular Navy SEALs, they, uh, they, he describes in the book all of the training that they went through and the, the battles that they fought for our country around the world. And he talks about all these things. And, and while we were doing that, I was, I was earlier this week, if you were here last week, you know that we had this teller area because this building used to be a bank. So there was all these desks here along the wall. So, so I'm, fighting to, I'm fighting with these desks to get all of it out. And I'm listening on my headphones to this book about these Navy SEALs who are, you know, busting into rooms and who are winning these battles and i'm thinking you know what i'm just gonna uh, i have i have an active imagination you guys know that uh, but i'm like you know what this is this is my battlefield and i'm tearing down these desks and I, I was going at it and it was oh it was a pain it was it was a struggle and i i was so sore uh, after doing that and then one of the things that they talk about in the book is in their in their buds training uh, they have a they have a week where where they do a lot of they do a lot of uh, like boat races and they carry these two hundred pound boats above their heads like arms fully extended and they're carrying it above their heads and they're talking about all of that and I'm thinking yeah that sounds awesome like I, I'm getting so excited about it and then yesterday we built uh, I say we Tim uh, back there build this wall and he's he's fastening everything together and he says he pulls up me and Ty and, and Ty and I have to hold the 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 twelve foot the 12 foot boards up on the ceiling and Ty and I are holding it above our heads and we're like 10 seconds in and I'm like oh man I don't know how much longer I can do this and Ty's Ty's stepping up on his tummy toes and he's like his fingers are barely touching I'm like I'm gonna die so I have one hand above my head and I'm shaking out my shoulder and then I I switch hands and I'm like man I'm I you know, I've, I just felt like just absolutely, I'm sharing, I'm confessing my sin right now. I'm confessing my, uh, man, I was embarrassed. I was just embarrassed. Uh, holding that above my head, I was like, there's no way. There's no way I could be, I can pretend all I want back here whenever I'm by myself with my headphones on that I'm a Navy SEAL. But whenever I'm in front of everybody else, reality really kicks in. But here he's saying, hey guys, you're gonna, you're gonna face some battles. You're gonna face some battles that they're bigger than you. These guys are stronger than you. And I just imagine that if, that if you're one of these, if you're one of these Israelites looking at this situation, man, your heart's, your heart's skipping a beat. Because, because these people, these, these Anakims, they're the whole reason why these people grew up in a desert in the first place. You see, 40 years earlier, God gave a similar promise. Hey, it's time to, to go into this promised land. And, and these people that, that God is talking to, these people that, that Moses is communicating this message to, uh, their, their parents were the ones who, who led them in this desert. They, they're walking through this desert. They're getting ready to go to this promised land. And 40 years earlier, whenever these guys, these people that we're talking about, when their parents saw these giants, they said, we don't want any part of this. Uh, whenever their parents saw the, this task, when they saw this battle that they were going to have to face, their parents wimped out. Their parents said, no, we're not fighting this battle. These guys are too great. They're too strong. Let's march back across the desert and let's go back, let's go back into slavery into Egypt because we would rather go back to that than to die at the hands of these giants. And God is saying to them, over the course of the 40 years, God didn't say to them, hey, I removed these, I removed these giants. He's saying, no, you still have to fight them. You still have to go against them. 
in our lives, we have, we have some battles that are, too, that are too big for us, that are too big for you. Your addiction is too big for you. My pride is too big for me. It's too big. So we see, but God still tells them, hey, in verse number one, you are going to go and you're going to possess this. So we see, first of all, that God commands them to be victorious. And I would just say to this, that God gives them this command. He gives a command to people who don't have it all together. Uh, and that's who God uses. God uses people who don't have it all together. God equips people who, who can't win these battles on their own because that's all he has to work with. God gives us a command to be victorious. But then I want you to notice next that there are enemies to being victorious. And we talked about this a little bit in verse number one, but then he continues in verse number two, a people great and tall, children of the Anakims, whom thou hast heard of say, uh, who can stand before the children of Anak? If, if you grew up, if you lived in this area, if you lived in this area, there was like a saying that everyone talked about. And their saying went like this, hey, who can even stand in front of them? Like nobody can even challenge these guys, let, let alone actually fight them and win. And he says, hey, that's what you've heard. That's who you're fighting. And I want to remind you that there are enemies in our lives to being victorious. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse number 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we have some enemies in our lives. And, and, and you know, it would be easy. It would be really easy if we could say, hey, your enemy is your supervisor. It would be really easy if we could just say, hey, your enemy is your spouse. Your enemy is your parents or whatever it is. We could say a lot of things. Hey, hey, our enemy is that. But in actuality, the Bible tells us for, for, for believers, hey, this, this war that we're fighting and this command that we've given to be victorious, it's actually not even against people. At least for them, it was people that they could, they could actually see with their own eyes. But for those of us who know Christ, we are in a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual battle where the forces of hell are going after you every single day. Whenever you, when you resolve in your heart, hey, I'm going to live for God. When you you resolve in your heart, hey, I'm going to live out some spiritual disciplines. I'm going I'm to read my Bible. I'm going to spend some time in prayer. Hey, whenever you do that, you are declaring war on the enemy. You are, uh, you are declaring war on, on the gates of hell. You're declaring war on Satan himself, and they don't like that. They're, he's going to fight you. He's going to fight you. There, there are enemies, and we see that our battle is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We're, we're fighting a spiritual battle. And if you want to live for Jesus, uh, you can be sure that you will be attacked. You will be attacked. These are, these are powerful enemies. They're called great and tall. Uh, these are revered enemies. These are revered enemies. And uh, that, that saying, the whole, who can stand before who can stand before the children of Anak? You know, we don't say that today. We don't, we don't use that term today, but, but we do have these, these sayings. We do have these, we do have these uh, voices that we, that we listen to and that we tell ourselves. We have these, this wrong thinking, this wrong pattern of thinking. And for us, it's, you know, it's, it's lies like you can't live for God. It's, it's lies like you can't be a better parent. You can't, you can't forgive that person. And it's this, this spiritual, uh, the spiritual enemy lobs these, these lies into your heart and your mind to where, where you believe it. Hey, I can't stand before that. I can't, I, can't do, uh, I can't do that. I can't faithfully walk with God. I can't do those things. 
But the Apostle Paul, whenever he wrote to the church of Philippi, he said, hey, I've, I've learned how, to, I've learned how to, uh, to enjoy the good things of life. I've learned how to, I've learned how to be homeless. I've learned, I've learned how to have some money. I've learned to have nothing. I've learned, I, and all things I have learned, whatsoever state I am in, therewith I will be content. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we see that there's these enemies to being victorious. But then I want you to notice finally, and this is the crux of the message, all right? So, so I kind of tore you down a little bit. You can't do it. And then here we're, here we're going to get into where it gets really good and what we need to embrace this morning. And, and it's this, that God is the source of being victorious. God is the source of being victorious. In verse number three, he says this, Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire. He shall destroy them. He shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord hath said unto thee. So we see here God is telling them, hey, uh, you're going to go and you're going to fight this battle and uh, you're going to fight, you're going you're gonna to cross this Jordan River that's impossible. You're going to fight these enemies that are impossible for you to defeat. And here's why you're going to do it. Here's why you're going to do it. You're going to do it because I'm going with you. You're going to do it because I'm fighting for you. You're going to do it because I'm going to win the battle for you. And my friend, I want you to get this, that we cannot win these battles. All of the religions of this world say that you have to try harder. All the religions of the world say, hey, the, the key to eternal life, the key to, uh, the key to uh, meaning, the key to finding your purpose is, hey, you just try harder. You do more religious things. You just uh, confess to that priest, or you say those words, or you go through that baptistry water, or you fill in the blank. You pray to these idols. You offer this sacrifice. You do whatever it is, and, and all of the religions say, of the world say, hey, it is all, it's all on you to get to God. But remember at the beginning, we said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what we celebrate on Easter Sunday next week is that, hey, we couldn't do it ourselves. We couldn't get to God. But when we couldn't get to God, God came down to us. God became a man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he lived that life that you and I could not live. And he lived it as a substitute for you and for me so that he could take all of our sins upon himself. And then he died on a cross and he was buried. And then we celebrate next week that he rose again for you and for me. And while all of the religions, uh, all of the religions of the world say, hey, you gotta, you gotta do all of these things to please God. Hey, God is pleased in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who loved you and gave himself for you. So that's why we say, hey, if, if he's for us, who can be against us? Because it's not about us and it's not about our strength and it's not about our might and it's not about our power and it's not about our good deeds and it's not about our church attendance and it's not even about, hey, saying, hey, I got up this morning and I read my Bible. So that must mean that I accomplished a bunch of good stuff to make God proud. Hey, listen, God says here to these people, hey, you're going to win these battles, but it's not because of you. It's because I'm going before you. I'm fighting for you. I'm going with you. And you have some work that you have to do, but I, I'm really the one doing the work. I'm the one doing the work. So he says, understand this day, that the Lord goes before you. As a consuming fire, he shall destroy them. He's saying, hey, I'm winning the battle for you. Could I ask you this question this morning? And here is, here is what, if you want to know uh, what New Life Baptist Church is all about, if you want to know what Christianity, not even just this church, if you want to know what Christianity is all about, it's this, that God loved you 
so much that he wanted a relationship with you. But you are a sinner. And I don't even have to spend a ton of time on that because, uh, because you know, I know myself. And if I'm just quiet for five seconds, man, I, the, the guilt and the shame just overfloods because I know how many times I mess up. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because God wanted a relationship with us, he said, I'm going to send Jesus to pay the penalty for your sin. Because justice, justice is important, right? Like in our country today, we recognize, hey, there is a need for justice. God is a just God. God is a just God. And he says, justice demands that your crimes be paid for. So I'm sending Jesus to pay it for you. If we'll, if we'll recognize that we are sinners and we'll put our faith and our trust in him and him alone, he will forgive our sins and give us a relationship with himself and we'll be forgiven and we'll be made whole. So he says, God says, I'm doing that for you. And for these Israelites, he's saying, hey, you weren't enough, so I'm doing it for you. And to you and I, he says, you're not enough, so I'm doing it for you in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Whenever I was in high school, my life was all about, my life was all about high school basketball. Uh, I actually started playing whenever I was in the eighth grade uh, as like organizational basketball. I started playing whenever I was in the eighth grade. And I'm just going to tell you, uh, we, were, we were pretty good. My eighth grade year, uh, we were playing juniors and seniors. And I was in eighth grade. Most all of us were seventh and eighth graders playing against juniors and seniors. We did have one 10th grader. That was the oldest guy on our team. And, and we were pretty good. Like our first game, we lost 70 to 12. Our next game, we lost like 80 to 15. Our third game, uh, I don't even remember. It got, it got bad. One game, we lost 100 and something to like 20. That was our highest scoring game, I think, like 22. Hey, we were, we were pretty solid <laughs> Um, we have one game in the season. The only game that we didn't lose by more than 30 was one game when we played this team. We played this team and they played their, 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 like, their starters, their real players for the first like two or three minutes. And the rest of their game, they played like their fifth and sixth graders and we lost by four. That was, that was our first season. We were pretty good. We were pretty good. Uh, then our second year, then our second year, you know, we got started and we, we'd grown a little bit and we were learning how to actually play the game and all of that kind of stuff and that you're actually supposed to get the ball into the basket. Uh, so we were learning stuff like that. And our second season, we started off and it was looking like it was going to be another, it was going to be another rough year. And then in our school, there came this guy that joined our school and his name was Preston. And Preston could play. Uh, like, we were all enamored because... Uh, Preston could dunk, and none of us could touch the net. <laughs> so Preston joins our team, and the next day, the next, like, he joins the team, and then the very next game, we play a team named El Dorado. Now, El Dorado, they're in Arkansas, and they're just, they're horrible human beings, okay? I'm just going to tell you. Like, like, we hated those guys. They were awful. They came to our gym, and they put, like, a stink bomb in our locker room. Uh, like they, like we just, we hated those guys and they didn't like us either. So we, the next thing we played them and they had just absolutely destroyed us uh, the year before. 
and we played them, and nobody could, nobody could beat them in their own gym. Uh, not because they were good, but because they paid their refs really, really well, if you know what I mean. Uh, so we play, and all of a sudden, Preston starts going off. Like, they can't stop him. They're going, uh, and we're looking at each other, and we're like, that guy can really play. And we go from losing every game by, seriously, like, I'm not joking, every game, 40 points. Preston joins our team, and we win. We win. So we look at each other like, hey, we're, we're, we're a real basketball team now. We're a real basketball team now. No, we weren't. We were awful. We had one good player that nobody else could stop. And what I want to tell you today is that, hey, the people in this room, we're a team that can't win. And when we couldn't win, Jesus said, you know what, I'll join your team. And if God is for us, who can be against us? And in your life, maybe the reason why your life is such a struggle is because you're not, you're not embracing, you're not passing the ball to your teammate. You're not walking with him. Maybe in life you feel hopeless and helpless because you're trying to live your life dependent on religion or dependent on some, some thing that you did when you were a kid that says, hey, now that I've done that, now I can go to heaven. And you've been dependent on that instead of dependent on Jesus who loved you and gave himself for you. And today I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you this week. For believers, walk Walk with the Spirit and remember He's going for you and he's, he's fighting for you. And instead of this week when you have a tough week at work, instead of just trying to depend on yourself, lean on Him. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know for sure that you would spend eternity with God forever, accept Him today. Receive Him today. He gave Himself for you so that you could have a relationship with Him. So receive Him. Receive Him today. He wants to go before you. He wants to fight for you. He wants to win your battles. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. And thank you that when we were lost and without hope, when we, as we are, weak and sinful people, you came and you identified with us. You made us your, child, your, your children, for those of us who believe. You brought us to your team so that you, you even say that our life is hid with Christ. It's hidden in Christ. And Lord, I pray that for those of us who are believers, may we get this deep into our soul that in and of ourselves, we can do nothing. But when God is for us, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And Lord, I ask that for any person here today who does not know you as their personal Savior, Lord, I ask that they would receive you today. May they receive you today. In Jesus' name, if you would please keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment so that we all have, uh, so that every person has your privacy to respond to God as he speaks to their hearts. Maybe you're watching online today or you're, you're in the room and you say, Pastor David, I do not know Jesus as my Savior. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I'm not for sure that I'm on my way to heaven, but I would like to know more about that. Would you please pray for me? 
would you please pray for me? I don't know Jesus as my Savior, but I would like to know more about that. Would you just raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand? I would love to pray for you. Everyone in the room has their heads bowed and eyes closed for your privacy. Just raise your hand right now if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, but you'd like to know more information about receiving him today. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put that down. I'll pray for you. If you're watching online, send us a direct message, and we would love, we would love to answer any questions that you have about that. But maybe today you'd say, I never understood that, but I'm, but I'm ready. I'm ready to receive Jesus as my Savior. I know that I'm a sinner. Uh, I know that in and of myself, I can't do anything to please God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and he rose again. And I would like to put my faith and my trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Not in religion, not in a prayer, not in good works, but I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus. If you're ready to do that, if you're ready to do that, I want to give you online and in the room the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never received Jesus, please pray this prayer with me. Not, not because these words save you, but because of your faith in the grace of Jesus. But if you'd like to receive Jesus today, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I can't do anything to save myself but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and that he rose again so that I could have a relationship with God. So Jesus, please forgive my sin. Come into my life and save me. Give me a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, let us know uh, online. Let us know by the connection card. And, and we would love to rejoice with you, celebrate with you, and help you take your next steps in your relationship with Christ. If you'd like more information about that, we're going to have a, a closing time of singing to the Lord. If you'd like more information about how you can receive Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to be standing up front. Just come walk to me while everyone's singing, and I'd love to show you from the Bible how you can know Jesus as your Savior. Believer, believer, trust Jesus this week. Walk with Jesus this week. He's the one who can give you, who can give you victory. Let's pray together and then we'll stand and we'll worship Jesus as we close the service. Lord, again, I thank you for how you've worked in our hearts. And may we not depend on ourselves, but...